The title of this morning's message is called Mirror, Mirror. And we all have seen the movie Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And there was this mirror that was hanging on the wall. And this evil queen would walk up to it every day and say, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? Have you ever heard that before? Okay, if you haven't, you need to... I'm not going to say you need to go watch it. But if you haven't, Lord, you've been under a rock. <laughs> okay? Mirror, mirror on the wall. And she would ask that a question. And so as she began to ask that question... I want you to ask yourself, what do I see when I look in the mirror? What do I see when I look in the mirror? If you have a cell phone, take it out of your pocket. If you got a cell phone, take it out of your pocket. Literally, it's okay. Take your cell phone out. It's okay. I don't mind you using your cell phone in church. Don't be, don't be Facebooking with your friends, Facebook about the message, okay? Now, when you take your cell phone out of your pocket, I want you to put the camera on. Okay? Everybody got a camera? See, y'all look good. Let me turn around so I can see all y'all and everybody. See, you're looking good. Put the camera on and make it look like you can see yourself, see your face. Okay? And then I want you to do this. I want you to take a selfie, okay? Do it. Ready? Everybody, come on. Camera's out. Take a selfie. Everybody can do it. Y'all got them all over Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and acting like you don't know how to take a selfie in church. Are you kidding me? Pull your phone out and take a picture of your face. Okay, thank you. Now I want you to look at that picture for a minute. And it's a, it's, a, it's a resemblance of you, right? And so instead of having a big old mirror out here and I'm showing you everything on a mirror, I wanted to make it relevant to today. So, so you can say, picture, picture on my phone, <laughs> right? Picture, picture on my phone. When you look at that picture of yourself, what do you see? What do you begin to see? Because many of us, though we like to say, take selfies, we don't really like ourselves. We like to take selfies and post them so other people will affirm what we don't believe about ourselves. Somebody get with me. You like to take pictures of yourself and post them on Facebook so other people, you'll see how many likes you get. And if you don't get enough likes, you'll be devastated because you wanted somebody to affirm how good you look when you don't believe you look good yourself. I'm just being honest with you. You wanted somebody to affirm something about you that you don't believe about you in your life. And so in this message this morning, we're going to begin to look at ourself. And now I want to get some terminology down. Everybody say the word self-concept. Your self-concept is simply the overall impression you have of yourself as a human being. Your self-concept is your overall impression that you have of yourself of a, as a human being. It's what you think about yourself. It's when you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and it's like, dang, I'm fatter today than I was yesterday. <laughs> or some of you wake up in the morning and it's like, dang, I look good today. I think y'all all look good today. Amen. But your self-concept is the overall impression that you have of yourself as a human being. Now your overall self-impression that you have of yourself as a human being is your self-concept. Now your self-concept is comprised of three different parts. Your self-concept is comprised of three different parts. The first part is uh, of your self-concept, it's this. It's the self-ideal. It's the self-ideal. And what that is is this. This is the best case scenario you that you can picture in your life. This is the reconciled you. It is the practicing perfect you. 
This is the ideal you. Remember last week I said every golf game I have one legit golf shot where I can line up and, and, and I can swing it and it goes where it was intended to go and lands where it was supposed to land and, and goes close to the hole so I can put it in. It's the, it's the perfect swing on the golf course. It's the ideal you. Now, that's your, that's your self-ideal. So this is the perfect you. You know, like I always say this, if you could do anything in the world and money wasn't a factor and, and, and issues weren't a factor, if you could just go do anything for the kingdom of God, what would it be in your heart to do? And many of you could give me an answer right now. That's the ideal situation for you in the ministry, right? And if I were to say, what is your ideal vacation? Everybody immediately has their destiny. Mine's Fiji, right? And so immediately, come on now. Uh, immediately, if I say, what is, what is, your, what is your, 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 your dream car, a lot of you can immediately picture a car. Maserati, thank you very much. <laughs> and if I say, show me your dream house, many of you can say how many bathrooms you wanted in it, how, how many closets you wanted in it, and everything else that you wanted in it, the man cave in it that's got the theater screen and the big chairs and the, okay, maybe that's mine. <laughs> you can think of the ideal of everything. So I want you to think of the ideal you. The ideal you is the best case scenario you, the perfect you, the reconciled you, the one that's practicing like Jesus all the time. Now your self-image is this. Your self-image is currently how you view yourself. You can tell how you currently view yourself by what you say about yourself and the actions you have of yourself. Your self-image, you can tell what your self-image is by what you say about yourself and the current actions of yourself. Such as, when you mess up in life, what is the response to yourself? Many of you say this, I'm just so stupid, I never get anything right. That's your self-image. Your self-image is you're stupid and you never get anything right. Your self-image is this. When something goes wrong, you lose your temper and you start throwing and kicking and acting like a three-year-old. See, your self-image is built of the current actions you have and the current words you say about yourself. It's the present you. It's the right now, how you really feel about yourself. And many of us, if I were to ask you how you really, really deep down felt about yourself, some of us would say, man, I, I really deal with insecurity. Man, I really deal with fear. I really deal with unforgiveness. I really deal with all these things and issues that keep you from being the ideal you because when you're the ideal you, the perfect case scenario you, the practicing Jesus you, you've overcome unforgiveness. Come on, give me an amen. You've overcome the bitterness. You don't worry about things all the time. You don't wake up with panic attacks in the middle of the night and anxiety. You don't worry about your insecurity issues because you're secure in who you are in Christ Jesus. Come on now. And so your self-ideal is the perfect case scenario. You, your self-image is how you view yourself right now. And your self-worth is this. It's the current things you're doing to make yourself get to your self-ideal. It literally, the definition I have is this. Your self-worth is the significance or importance you place on yourself, your spirit, soul, and your body. You can tell how much significance you place on yourself by how much time, effort, and energy, and money you spend bettering all three areas of your life. Your spirit, your soul, and your body. And some of you, um, if you want to ever get to your self-ideal, you need to spend some time on your self-worth. How much time you spend on making your spirit look like Christ, how much you spend on your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions being reconciled to Christ, and how you take care of your physical body so you can do the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? And the Bible says this in the book of Proverbs. By wisdom... B-U-I, by wisdom, 
buy you a good book instead of another, another game app on your phone. Or just download the app on your phone and read the book off your phone. I don't care how you read it. But buy something that's going to better who you are. Put some self-worth on your life. Spend some money on yourself. Now, time out. Don't go on a shopping spree. Okay? Don't go on a shopping spree to cover up your, 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 your self-image. See, a lot of us go spend a lot of money on clothes to cover up the image of ourself that we have, and you still hadn't changed in the future. And you'll never end up being your self-ideal, the perfect you, the practicing Jesus you. But if you would spend some time on self-worth, and instead of buying a whole new wardrobe, buy an exercise plan. Come on. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> if you would spend some time on your self-worth and, and buy a, a godly Christian book that will help you establish where you're going in life. Come on, and, and read it, and finish it, right, and underline it, and highlight it, and take notes on it, kind of like you were in school. Oh, Lord Jesus, I just didn't say that. <laughs> Come on now. And you begin to get yourself to the self-ideal you that you've been believing in. So you got your self-ideal, that's the perfect case scenario you, the practicing Jesus you, the practicing perfect you. Then you got your self-image, the current way you view yourself right now. You can tell how that is by what you say and how you act in certain situations. And then you have your self-worth. How much importance and significance are you putting on your life to improve it, to get your, to get your life from the self-image to the self-ideal? Okay? Now, now this is all preface. I hadn't even got to the message yet. I'm just laying groundwork here. Some of y'all are like, I'm already blown in my mind. I don't even have a clue. So in the name of Jesus, receive it in your spirit and watch what God does in your life. So the biggest issue with our self-ideal is not the future us and how we're going to get there. It's the current decisions we're making in our life that will never help us arrive there. I've used this example many times, a million times as a matter of fact. My dream destination is Fiji. If I want to get to Fiji, what do I got to do? I got to get on a plane headed to Fiji. Most of us, we have a dream destination, a perfect case scenario, us, but we're getting on a plane headed to the Arctic Circle when our dream destination is Fiji. Okay? Just because you haven't lost that five pounds yet does not give you the ability to go to Granny's Donuts because you feel bad about yourself and your self-worth isn't there yet. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Just because you failed one time in the area of your mind, will, and emotions and you didn't accomplish what you accomplished, that does not give you the right to quit on becoming the self-ideal you. Quitting will never get you to the ideal person you're trying to become. See, overcoming doesn't mean that everything's easy. Overcoming means there's an obstacle that you overcome. And many of you, that obstacle is quit quitting. Get someplace with your life. Do something with your life. And to do that, you're going to have to do this. Look at what you're looking at. You're going to have to look at, take a view of, evaluate your life, look at what you're looking at. Here's what the Bible says. It says, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, throw off every weight and the sin that, so, that clings so closely to us, and let us run the race with perseverance, the race set out before us, looking to Jesus. Everybody say, Looking. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Here's why looking is so important. What you look at the most is what you begin looking like. What you look at the most is what you begin to look like. Why do you think the Bible says, 
fix your eyes or look to Jesus. Because what you look at the most is what you begin to look like. Come on, just going to let that sink in. Many of you in your life, because you're looking at the wrong things, you're beginning to look like the wrong things. If you look at things that lead you away from Christ, you're going to start looking like a person that's away from Christ. Come on now. This is a rocket science. This is Jesus here. Looking to Jesus. If you start looking to Jesus a lot more, you're going to start looking like Jesus a lot more. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. There's a positive side to this too. We just got to quit looking at the wrong thing and start looking at the right things and not just the right things, the perfect, perfect things because we're practicing perfect and perfect is Jesus. So we need to start looking to Jesus if we want to start looking like Jesus. Right? So that's why I want to go back now and qualify self-worth. Don't buy a bunch of junk books that are self-help tools to get you to a place in life. Look to Jesus. And then buy things that will line you up with how you get to start walking out and looking like Jesus. You become like what you look at the most. Your eyes are the greatest data input into your life. That's why the Bible says, if your eyes be dark, every part of you is dark. But if your eyes be light, the whole body is full of light. Come on. Look at what you're looking at. How many... If you have an iPhone, you can pull up your apps, and it'll show you how much time you spend on each app. Okay? Freaking some of y'all out here. If you pulled up your phone and began to open it up to your settings and see how much time, it's actually you go under the battery settings, and it shows how much of, your, how much of each app is using the most of your battery. So some of you, your Facebook app is going to say about 45%. And you're look, if you start looking at what you're looking at, come on now, you're looking like everything you're reading on Facebook, which is drama, and you wonder why your life doesn't look like Jesus. You become like what you look at the most. Your eyes are the greatest data gatherer in your whole physical body. Okay? And you gather data by everything you're looking at. And it all goes into this mechanism called your brain. And 90% of it goes into your subconscious, and you don't even realize it, but everything that you see and hear and smell and sense and, and touch and taste, it all goes into your subconscious. I've done way too much research on this. I'm just telling you. It all goes into your subconscious. You remember 10% of it, 90% of it goes into your subconscious, but your subconscious makes 90% of your decisions. So the 90% of data that you don't think you remember, you actually remember, and that 90% is making 90% of your decisions. And so if you begin to look at what you're looking at and start looking at things differently, your life is going to start looking differently. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody get with me this morning. I mean, I'm telling you, man, this will change your life. It'll change your life. And I love this verse of Scripture. Psalm 119, verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts or the practices of the Lord. That means I'm constantly going to think on that. I'm going to constantly think on the precepts or the practices of the Lord. And I fix my eyes on your ways. There you go. Fixing your eyes. I fix my eyes on your ways. Whatever we fix our eyes on the most has the most power because we practice what we see. 
Whatever you fix your eyes on the most has the most power because you practice what you see. Now listen, if some of you have fallen out of love with your spouse, start looking at your wife a little bit more or your husband a little bit more. Quit looking at everybody else that walks by saying, I wish she'd be like her, or I wish he'd be like him, or why can't he act like so-and-so, or why can't she change this, or why can't he, and why can't she? Start looking at them again. And quit looking at everybody else's kids. Look at your own and pay attention to them. God created them different for a reason. And love them as individuals, who they are. I mean, I can't have two more opposite kids. I mean, goodness, but I love them for who they are. And I promise I don't compare my kids to any of y'all's because mine are the best. <laughs> Come, on. Come on. You should think the same about your kids. I wouldn't be offended if you said that to me. I would argue with you, but I wouldn't be offended. <laughs> Parents, it's time to start looking at our kids. Start looking at them. Because you begin to practice. You begin to practice what you see. And if we're supposed to be practicing perfect, And perfect is Jesus. We need to begin to practice Jesus because we see Jesus. And Jesus said, I can only do what I see my father doing. You wonder how Jesus did what he did. He kept his eyes on the father and he said, I can only do what I see my father doing. So therefore, if we keep our eyes on Jesus, fix our eyes on Jesus, looking to Jesus, we'll begin to start doing what Jesus began to do and we'll look like Jesus because we practice what we see. Come on now, that'll change your life. The gospel really is that simple. I can break it down into Jewish Jewish theology for you where the reason they followed so close to their rabbi and so much, they wanted to walk so close by him that the dust off his feet when he walked would literally cover them. They wanted to be so close because they wanted to see everything he did so they could do exactly what their rabbi did. And when Jesus was a rabbi and he had 12 people following, after Jesus dies and was resurrected, the, the apostles went in the book of Acts and they said, we don't know where they are doing this, but we know they look like Jesus. We don't know by what authority, but they, but they look like Jesus. You begin to practice what you see. And so I need you to begin to see what you see. I'm going to read you out of Judges chapter 11. There's a man named Gideon in Judges chapter 11. And it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Orif that belonged to Joash the uh, Abyssalite, and his son was Gideon. And Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. Lord God, help us. Let let me tell you the, the extent of fear that had overtaken Gideon's life. The Bible says he was threshing wheat in a wine press. It's like playing baseball with a fishing pole. Does that make any sense at all? Absolutely not, but that's what Gideon was doing. I'm threshing wheat in a wine press. That, That makes no sense. The level of fear had gone to such an exponential level, he was going and doing something that was absolutely ludicrous. He was playing baseball with a fishing pole. He was baking pies in a mechanic shop. That's what he was doing. Could you imagine being so afraid to go to your bakery in the morning that you were so afraid that you went to the nearby mechanic shop and tried to bake your pies in a mechanic shop because you were so afraid of going to the bakery? That is messed up. But there are believers all over the world who are going to mechanic shops trying to bake pies when God's called them to go back and take back their bakery. Come on, I'm trying to make this simple. 
There are people who need to go back to where God has called them to be. In spite the fear. And listen, God told Joshua, be strong and courageous. Courageous doesn't mean you don't have fear. Courageous means you walk forward by faith in spite of the fear. Man, there's been some times in my life where I had, to, I, I had to say, God, I'm just going by faith and courage here because, Lord, help us. If this doesn't work, there's nothing else for me. But I did not resort to baking pies in a mechanic shop. And you this morning, what are you doing with your life? What self-image do you have of yourself that's keeping you from the self-ideal who you want to become. Some of you got to quit baking pies in a mechanic shop. You got to quit bringing fishing poles to baseball parks. You've got to start doing what you know to do because you start looking at Jesus and doing what Jesus did. And so your self-image, now this is currently how you view yourself. And you can tell how you currently view yourself by what you say about yourself and your current actions. Now I want you to pull that picture up again of yourself that you just took of yourself. Picture, picture on my phone. When you look at that picture, what do you see? What do you see in your life? Our actions and our language almost always act consistently with the image we have of ourselves, and our actions 100% of the time line up with what we really believe about ourselves. Now, looking at that picture, I want you to look at it. You keep looking at that picture while I read this. Our actions and our language almost always act consistently with the image we have of ourself. Almost always act that way. And our actions 100% of the time line up with what we really believe about ourselves. Now, look at you in that picture. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Picture, picture on my phone. Why am I baking pies in a mechanic shop? As, looking at that picture, ask yourself that. Why am I not doing what I know is deep within me to do? Why am I not doing what is so deep within my spirit to do? What God has called me to do. Who he's called me to be. See, Gideon in verse 11, it says he was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. He had destructive habits, abusive language, and there was no godly discipline in his life. He had forgotten the promises of God versus the Midianites. And what God promised him, he could do. Now your self-image, what you currently believe about yourself, this is the elevator of your life. It's the elevator of your life, and it sets the upper limits and the lower limits of what you will accomplish for the kingdom of God. How you think about yourself sets the upper limits and the lower limits of what you will accomplish for the kingdom of God. If you automatically, when I say something astronomical out there, say, that's impossible, you've already set the upper limits of what God can do when God says, if you just believe all things are possible, but you've limited the possibilities of an almighty God because your self-image only goes so high. Your self-image is the elevator of your life. It sets the upper and lower limits of where you go and what you do. If I were to say, man, God's calling one of you right now to get on a plane tomorrow and quit your job and go around the world, some of you get excited about that. Others of you cower at it because you're baking pies in a mechanic shop and your elevator doesn't go quite to the top. Come on. Come on. Because what God just said 
and you know it's deep within your spirit to do, your image of yourself only has you going this high. And the spirit of God says, I'm calling you higher. I'm adding another level to your skyscraper. I'm adding another floor to your house. I'm adding a bigger building to where you're at. I'm fixing to do something that's so unbelievable. It's more than Joel you could ever ask or think or imagine. And so where my imagination in, God says, I'm only just beginning. And bless God, I got a big imagination. And he said, all things are possible to those who believe. But if your self-image is wrong, you're setting the limit on what God can possibly do in your life. Until God speaks into that situation and changes it. And you got to be willing and open to let God speak into that situation and change this. Now, the self-ideal you, this is the reconciled you. It's the practicing perfect you. And so this is what God said. And Gideon said, but sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where were all the wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us. And God goes on to say, I now call you mighty warrior, when he's talking to Gideon. And Gideon responded back to God and said, but you don't understand, God. I'm the least of my tribe, and my tribe is the le- or I'm the least of my clan, and my clan is the least of our tribe, and our tribe is the least of Israel. He said, you don't get lower than I am. God says, you hadn't seen my elevator yet. God says, you haven't seen how high I can take you. God says, you haven't seen where I've destined you to be. But it's all contingent on what buttons you begin to push when you get on that elevator. Some of you are afraid to go to the penthouse. Some of you are afraid to go to the top floor simply because you've never been there before. But you need to try it. You need to see how high that elevator can take you. You need to see what God has planned for your life. This is so important. Your self-image is so important because of this reason right here. It's more important than talent, knowledge, skills, and education. This is why talented, smart, skilled, and educated people have underachieved, while many people with lesser abilities have gone on to do amazing things. As Jesus said, greater things than than these shall you do. Because I'm going to the Father before you. With that picture on your phone, look at it one more time. All the junk you see, look at it one more time. Now you need to say, what's possible? Looking at your picture, say, what's possible? I look at my picture and I see all my failures. I see all my shortcomings. I see every reason that I'm inadequate to pastor a church and and go around the world and do conferences. I see every reason that's wrong. But before I see every reason that's wrong, I say, God, you're a God of the impossible. And see, some of y'all look at me and say, Joel, I don't even see how you see those things. But I don't see how you see what you see about yourself either. I think you're perfect, I think you're absolutely amazing. I'm honored to pastor the greatest church in the world. That's what I think of you. That's what I tell everybody. When I was in Africa, I pastored the greatest church in the world. And every pastor should say the same thing. Because I see Jesus in you. But when I look at me, I don't always see that. And so I got to begin to look past what I see in the picture of the image that I see. And I got to start looking at the ideal. 
that's deep within. The Jesus that's deep within me. And when he said, all things are possible to those who believe, just keep your eyes fixed on me, keep looking at me. I look past me and I begin to look for the Jesus in me. See, this is hard. Because here's the deal. Tara, I can come to you and I can see the Jesus in you. I can do it. I can see it. And mom, I can see the Jesus in you. And Johnny, I can see the Jesus in you. And David and Ralph, I can see the Jesus in you guys. And Laura, I can see the Jesus in you. And Dustin and Nancy, I can see the Jesus in you. But when I look at me, I got to look past a lot of junk to begin to see the Jesus in me. But I got to start looking for the Jesus in me and stop looking at what I don't see and start looking for what I know is in there because if I'm born again and I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus and the old is gone and the new has come, he's in there somewhere and I got to start looking to see it because when I start seeing him, I'm going to begin to start looking like him in every area of my life. I want everybody to get your phone out one more time. They're fixing to put a picture on the screen. And it's a mirror with a phrase on it. And I want you to take a picture of that screen. Facebook it, whatever you want to do. Mirror, mirror on the wall. You do not define me at all. Mirror, mirror on the wall. You do not define me at all. I am defined by my identity And my identity is in Christ and Christ alone. So what I see in the mirror on the wall or the picture, picture on my phone, stupid picture, leave me alone. Come on. Some of you are haunted by the pictures on your phone. I look at that picture on my phone and I say, whew, he really is a miracle working God. All things are possible to those who believe. This is why Joel, with lesser talents, lesser abilities, lesser than a lot of people in my graduating class, haven't done what God's been able to do here at TWBC. Not that I'm so great, but my God said, greater things shall you do, Joel. And when you get put in a position like I've been in sometimes, the best thing that's happened is my only option was to believe God. My only option was to believe God. God. Now the next picture they're going to put on the screen, you've all seen it before. But what you see versus what God sees is this. You've all seen that picture. It's been over Facebook a million times. But what you see and what God sees are different. So when Joel looks at picture, picture on my phone, I should see the attributes of Jesus, which would be a lion on the one side of the mirror, even though it's only a kitty cat on the other. See, I got to start believing more in what God sees of me. I got to start seeing what he sees in me. Because what I look at the most, I become like. What I see the most, I start practicing the most. So I got to start seeing who he is. And there's a phrase in the earth, and it says this, seeing is believing. So I want you to start seeing with the eyes of faith. The opposite of faith is not fear, it's sight. Because the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. It doesn't say we walk by faith and not by fear. It says we walk by faith and not by sight. So I need you to start seeing differently. I need you to start seeing yourself with the spirit of faith. Start seeing yourself in the ideal you. Start seeing yourself in the ideal situation and start making changes with your self-worth that's going to get you out of your self-image that you're at now to your self-ideal that will then begin to change your whole self-concept 
and your whole self-concept, people are going to say, wow. I read a story of a man in the Bible one time. And his name was Jesus. And you remind me a lot of him. 